You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode 11 of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast for entrepreneurs who are chronically ill and disabled and the only podcast of its kind. Relationships. We have to have them. They have to be strong. We need support to run our entrepreneurships. And that is exactly why we have two powerhouse coaches in our midst today. The one and only creators of Satori Prime, Elon and Guy Ferdman, better known as the Dream Chasers and the creators of the Have It All podcast. I could go on and on about the gifts of these two men and blood brothers, and we will go on and on in just a minute. But it's important that you listen today to understand that your relationships have everything to do with the success of your business. Listen in today. It may be the key to open the door to your dreams. Please welcome my friends, media masters, and conscious coaches, Elon and Guy Ferdman. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Elon Ferdman, Guy Ferdman of Satori Prime. I am so beyond excited. I know I say that all the time, but this is a game changer if you're listening right now. Um, and we're going to jump right into it. I have all kinds of questions because I've been doing what we call ethical stalking on you. So, <laughs> we're trying to make that a thing. I'm also trying yeah. to float the phrase awesome socks. So whenever yeah. you, you know, if you could help me out with that. Um, my <laughs> I'm, I'm sure all the men in Hollywood right now would love a little bit of that uh, ethical stalking as part of their defense. Yeah. <laughs> You know, whatever I can do, I'll take one for the team. It's fine. Totally. <laughs> you know? So let's talk about why the name Satori Prime. I did get a comment today that, like, that is a kick-ass name from one of my friends. That's a great – I like that. Thank you, friend. Um, <laughs> so I'll give you the, the funny story. This is Elon, by the way, and our voices do sound eerily similar, and that is because we're blood brothers. Um, so Satori Prime – Satori is a moment of sudden enlightenment. It's a word that I fell in love with even in my finance days. And when Guy and I were looking to start a company, everyone at that time in the online marketing world was, was starting companies like work with Joe XYZ or your, your name or something like that. But because there were two of us, we didn't want to do Elon and Guy Ferdman.com and our last name's not that sexy. So we're like, okay, we want a company name. And we just kept going back to the Satori, especially because it had this amazing uh, meaning, but we wanted another word. So we ended up watching Transformers. The movie had just come out or something <laughs> like that. Both of us loved Optimus Prime growing up. And we just said Satori Prime and we're like, wow, that actually has a really cool ring. And then Prime was kind of like number one. So we're like, you know what? Let's go with it. And in three months down the road, we're on a training call and somebody asks us, you know, what, what does prime mean? And I was like, you know what? I've never actually looked at the definition. <laughs> so I type it into Google live on this webinar and I literally like jaw dropped as I'm reading this thing because it means a moment of greatest strength, vigor, or financial success in one's life. So Satori Prime together basically means a moment of sudden enlightenment to your moment of greatest strength, vigor, or financial success. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that That's amazing. I just want to be wrapped up in that nest all day long and that, that loving nest of abundance. That's fantastic. You know, and 
people have such a hard time naming their companies and this is just you're just dripping with meaning it's fascinating um mm-hmm. and the transformer piece of it is <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, that's what i'm saying like I, I would love to tell you that we sat there aching <laughs> painstakingly like okay you know this word and that and then no it was just like pure <laughs> dumb unbelievable serendipitous luck is boy energy. I love it. Um, mm. So let's do our elevator speeches. I'm not going to do mine because nobody wants to hear it. But Guy, <laughs> I'm looking at you. Let's get your elevator speech going here. I've been on your about page because I was also ethically stalking you. Um, and it looks like you've got a little bit of a different energy about you. You are a modern day shaman a spiritual mm. truth sayer. I am fascinated and like my soul is getting all warm reading this. Lovely. I love that you said that about the soul. Um, well, how, how woo do you want to get with the woo? How woo woo are we allowed <laughs> to be on here? I think we're going to go woo times seven. It's like two, it's like two <laughs> wong fu, right? Uh, so um, <laughs> I don't even know that that joke makes sense, but we'll go with it. Uh, anyway, you know, so I, I well, let's let's. I'm going to answer this in such a way that I've never answered it before. Um, you know, if if when I do like past life regression type work with myself, what I have found is that I have like a very clear soul purpose, and lifetime after lifetime, I come here for seemingly one thing. That's to find truth, whatever that means. Um, and and it seems like my soul has been on this mission for like personal. Uh, and global transformation for a really long time. I didn't really That's- discover this about myself till I was about 19 years old when I had like my own, you know, quote unquote, Satori moment. And it came, I guess, relatively early in my life. Um, and from that moment, I've just had real clarity around um, who I, I guess, the role I wanted to play on this planet and how it is that I want to in- impact it, uh, interact and impact with people on the planet. So for me, where I see a lot of people kind of going down this specific line of mastery, I am really expansive in terms of um, looking for, uh, I guess, different like transient ways that that really affect change in people's lives. And that could be anything from like studying neuroscience to going to sit in the jungle and doing ayahuasca and, and plant medicine work with shamans. And because of that, it's given me like a really holistic view. Um, an ability to kind of dance with what people are struggling with. And that's why a lot of people will come to us like, you're like, all right, what's your elevator speech? And somebody will say, well, I'm a love coach or I'm a this coach. And Elon and I really don't have that. We have this like holistic approach where like, all right, tell us what you got. You know, what's going on in your life right now? Uh, How would you prefer that it is? And let's look at what's between you becoming the person that can be a specific way that can achieve those kind of goals or even 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 greater than maybe what you perceive that's possible. Um, and let's look at that and kind of get into this dance together. So we have this really interesting approach to coaching. Uh, I think it's also really interesting when you see us do it together. Um, Elon will often say that we kind of share a mind. I think we share a commitment more than maybe share a mind, but we do have um, like these complementary ways and, and watching us coach somebody is like watching two uh two singers kind of like do a ballad together so yeah we have these pretty lofty goals because we just see that no matter who we work with we get to really impact them in a positive way and um 
generally people who are impacted positive, positively personally then want to go do something in their communities that impact them positively. And that's just kind of been how we built this company that we hope will have a really far reach in terms of um, global influence. That is amazing. So because you're an old soul and you're visiting our planet again, and I have to tell you that um, I'm all about woo-woo and spirituality, being open and not assuming that I know any sort of truth, but open to receiving uh, messages, direction, and things like that. So were you always like this? I mean, did you like shoot out of the womb like this or, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Just like come out with like sparklers in my hand. Yeah. Like, mom, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. um, no, you know what? Not the case at all. Like if you would have asked me in my teen years, okay, what's the future you see for yourself? I would have been like an accountant, <laughs> you know, or, or, or something like that. It was so basic. And I, I was just dealing with um, depression and suicide and those kind of things for, well, like really throughout my teenage years. And then at 19, I had this experience and I, I went from somebody who was literally ready to kill themselves to somebody who was on the exact opposite side of a spectrum. And it took a split second of recognition for that to happen. Um, so, and then that's why we say Satori moments, like literally the moment of enlightenment, I got enlightened in this specific moment. And yeah, prior to that, that, that was not how life was going. I it wasn't someone who perceived themselves as a leader. I was kind of this like quiet wallflower type person, you know, let people kind of engage me in conversations before I really opened my mouth. Um, and I look at it now and the perfection of, of life to bring me to the point of like desperation, like emotionally, mm -hmm. um, and, and how that actually helps you if you take the opportunity to get into an awakened state. So I'm the type of person who can say, hey, like I've slept with the bedrock, you know, and been yeah. really, really low emotionally. And I've also experienced these extremely, um, I guess, like high highs of like emotional um, connection with source, right? And like everything in between. And there's always more to learn. I'm just like you, like, uh, I don't like to conclude anything that always keeps me curious. Um, Elon and I have just sought out a lot of really interesting experiences, experts in a lot of different fields. And I live in San Diego, California. I moved here five years ago after 25 years of, of being right around Manhattan. And it, it's kind of this place that's put up a, like a beacon. I don't know what's really happening over here. But like witches, wizards, and all these really special people are like ascending on on San Diego. Um, so I get to just be around a lot of really, um, I just want to say like really masterful people in a lot of alternative fields. And it's just opened my eyes to really what's available out there. And just like you, I, I don't know what's out there. And I know that the, the way that the world is being presented, we're basically all like X-Men running around without our mutant powers on. So I'm very interested in how do we turn on those mutant powers. So... Before I jump into the time machine with Elon, let me ask you a question. A guy, can you just send me some MLS listings for San Diego? And I think. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, you don't have to. We have a community out here. You, I'll, you'll be in a house with before you even know it. It's, it's like the easiest place to make stuff happen. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's amazing. Okay, so I'm kind of serious about that since my children are all fleeing the nest. Um, all right. Let's hop into the time machine. And so your brother, Guy, Elon, talked about potentially being an accountant. And uh, in my sleuthing of your background, I found that you were vice president and co-founder 
of a very successful commercial real estate bank, which is a huge switcheroo from what you are doing right now, because I've also been steeped in your podcasts all day long and had your voice like hammering in my head about how amazing I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so let's talk about that. That is a huge switch. You started out uh, in more of a conservative profession and moved into this mindset uh, coaching and miracle worker. Yeah. So um, it wasn't actually that far of a, of a jump as, as the timeline would say, because during the time that I was in the finance world, so I started down that path in about 2004, but in 2003, that's when Guy and I first did our, did our first seminar. Um, that's when he was talking about, you know, he like broke through habits of uh, depression and all that kind of stuff. So after he had gone through that program, I was like, okay, I have to see what this is all about. And I went in at the time I was going to go to law school. My life was perfect. I was dating the girl, my dreams. I was in love. I was graduating college, like the whole thing. And, um, I took this course and it, it literally felt like being unplugged from the matrix. And so Guy and I for the next probably seven or so years, um, even Guy actually worked with me a little bit in the finance, uh, company that, that I was part of. For that seven years, we were making money doing the finance stuff and then helping our soul, you know, feel fulfilled and happy and all that stuff by actually coaching people. And so we got really, really well trained in how to be incredible coaches. Uh, and we were doing it for free for probably like five, six years or maybe even more. And wow. then when we lost everything, uh, that company shut down. I went through foreclosure. I went from living it up to living on unemployment checks. Um, it was, it was a surreal experience. And at that time, guy goes to me, Hey, you know, I know you're still trying to figure out what you want to do, but like, maybe we go into business together. And I was like, dude, I don't even have like two pennies to rub together to my name. I don't know that this is the time to start a company. He's like, yeah, well, you know, this, this, and this. And we ended up starting a company. And the whole idea was we always wanted to be coaches. We just didn't want to be on the street going, hey, you know, do you need a coach? You know, anybody that needs a coach, et cetera. And so we realized marketing is kind of the ticket. And so with that being said, we dove into marketing world. And being the trainers and coaches that we always have been, started developing marketing uh, trainings and things like that. And it was during that process that I think both of us looked around going like, wow, like people would actually pay us money to coach them. <laughs> like the stuff that we've been doing for free for seven years, people are actually going to pay us. And, uh, yeah, quickly we learned that, yes, that is the case. And, um, so we kind of always knew what we loved. What we did was we actually learned some skills that have allowed us to build a business around what we love. And so while I, I would like to say it, it sounds sexier if I was like, I jumped from finance into coaching, it kind of a weird way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. It's a yeah. segue. It was a logical segue, but then yes, it also, absolutely. it combined, you know, with your talents and your gifts and your intuition too. So I think you have to go willingly into something like that in order to be so successful. 
I, the one thing I'll add, and I think this is really important for people who are are in the process of starting a business, in the time that Guy and I needed money more than ever in our entire lives was the time that we let money drive the least amount of our decisions. Yeah, I would be in total agreement with that. You're finding your passion and the money follows. That, you know, and I know that that is really difficult for people to get their heads around. Like I had at the time when Guy approached me, I had a baby on the way. Um, our first child, like my house was in foreclosure. I wasn't able to pay our mortgage. I was living on unemployment checks and I just thought to myself, okay, look, I can suck it up and eat ramen noodles for however long it takes. If that means that I get to build in the next three, four, five years, something that not only am I so proud of, but actually fulfills on what makes me happy and makes an impact in the world. Or Or I could just as easily go get some other finance job and make money and like be someone's, you know, desk jockey and whatever. And I think we all have a choice. I just think those that reach success as entrepreneurs all go through that one moment where it's like, I'm either all in or I'm not. And when the guy showed up on my door with the foreclosure papers, that was my, ironically enough, all in moment. That's that juxtaposition. I mean, I think people are so fear driven and they look at that immediate need that they can look right past. They look right past exactly what they need to do. And so I think it's just fascinating from that standpoint. Um, Speaking from the perspective of being a chronically ill entrepreneur, we're going to switch gears a little bit. There are multitudes of mind blocks um, in this community. First of all, I just want to give a little shout out to data. So (laughs) as of 2015, according to the CDC, roughly half of the American population has a chronic illness. And um, for, for a variety of reasons, could be environment, could be genetics, could be whatever, a lot of these people are driven to work for themselves. And when that happens, when this becomes an emergent situation, there are all kinds of terrors that rise up within them that try to prevent them from doing their best. And I want you both to think about what you would say to people, because what we also try to do in a community of inclusion is note that we're not that special. And that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't mean we don't have unique qualities. It means we all have something. And because we all have something, we can return to having the ability to control our lives and to control um, our blessings and empowerment. So it is even possible to overcome these physical and emotional challenges. So keeping that in mind, that there are people that wake up every day frustrated. They are dealing with sometimes physical agony. They are distracted by these challenges that are keeping them from working in their purpose. How do we start to remove some of those blocks? Big question right there. Um, Well, let's let's start with with a few distinction understandings here. I think the two that are, are really important um, to discuss 
or at least to begin this discussion, is how is it that people are perceiving reality, right? A, a lot of people are just like they're living in a particular state. They're they're taking reality as it's being presented, and that reality is being presented through media, through movies, you know, all sorts of media. So, and if we start looking at like the biological systems, there's two things that we need to know about how we test and perceive reality. The first is through the five senses, pretty obvious. And the second one is through agreement, meaning if people agree that something is true, then it must be true. And if we test these theories of how we're experiencing reality, we'll find that there are some massive cracks in there, right? Like at some point, we all agreed that the Earth was center of the universe. At some point, we all agreed the Earth was flat. And through that agreement-based reality, there were certain actions or inactions that we could take, right? Like people wouldn't get in ships and go past the horizon for fear of falling off the Earth. Today, we know that to not be true, right? So we have to imagine that even in today's time, there are many, many things that we agree upon that we live inside of the reality that are just not true. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that because when people, are, I think, are dealing with mental health issues or any kind of health issue, there's some kind of agreement, right, about how to deal with that from a psychological perspective, from uh, a physical perspective. And anybody, you know, for me, not, I don't know if you can say this across the board with every case, there's a, like, if 50% of the population, you know, is dealing with some kind of chronic illness, then there's something bigger at play there, right? There, there's mm -hmm. something driving that half the population is dealing with some kind of illness. So I would say that there's something that we're doing socially in the way that we're we're bringing kids up and the type of programming they're carrying around and the type of agreement that there is about that this is the right way to, you know, develop children that we can see is not working very well, right? So mm -hmm. if, if that's the case, it means that we need to start changing the agreement. So, you know, you're talking to two guys that have been steeped in transformation for a long time. And I could tell you one of the things that does not work for people around transformation, like you go to a Tony Robbins event, if anybody's mm -hmm. been to one of those or to like, mm -hmm. uh, like a network marketing event, like these events that really like pump you up, you know, you know how you feel at the end of those events, you're like, ah, I'm gonna take off the world! you know, and then like 48 hours, 72 hours later, you're like, I am not going to be taking on the world anymore. You know, it's like, it's really, really quick that switch. So why is it that we can't? like have that shift and then stick to it. One of the things that we got to get is that we're, we got to start taking responsibility for the way that it is that we're training people in our environment. So from the moment me and you shake hands, you might ask me my name, you might ask me what I do, the elevator speech thing, right? Like the very American thing to do. And then, and then what we're really doing though, is we're asking each other's questions that elicit answers, but those answers are coming in the form of a story. Now, even though I'm telling you a story, that story has a whole bunch of little like subconscious nuggets in there that tell you, okay, here's what I can ask guy. Here's what I can ask guy. Here's what he's comfortable with. Right. And what I'm slowly doing by telling you the stories that I tell freaking everybody is I'm programming you on how to deal with me. And I do this to everybody in my environment till everybody in my environment has agreement about the way that I am. So now let's say I have some kind of transformative thought or I start taking some transformative action in my life and I step back out into my environment that has no agreement for my transformation, right? So maybe I want to change my health habits or go with a different doctor or be like, you know what? I don't want to do this medical shit. I want to go start taking this holistic approach and your environment's like, absolutely not. You can't do that. Even though that's a completely transformative thought, it's it's like we've programmed our environment that we can't change. 
So the moment that we step into this environment, it, it like if we change, it becomes a threat to everybody in the environment. And this is something that's really effective to start not just getting awareness over, but also how to ha start having communication with your environment in a way that doesn't bring up their defenses so that they can start getting in alignment with what it, the changes that you want to make in your life. And I feel, and I feel like this is why a lot of people do get stuck because they're not, they don't have the training on how to effectively have that communication. No, that's an excellent point. We talk a lot uh, in our community about spouses, children, friends, parents who don't understand, particularly when it comes to invisible disabilities, they do not understand that because I, hey, I might look freaking fantastic. Mm -hmm. I might have have my hair done, I might have my makeup on point, but my limbs are burning inside. Mm -hmm. When I when I get up and walk, I look like a day drinker. Mm -hmm. So they may not understand that or they may see that well, you're functioning okay, you're alive and you're kicking and you're all right. And it's very hard to have a conversation with somebody, I am very fortunate. I don't have that. Uh, my relationship intensely deepened when I got sick. And in fact, it was the event that I needed to go through in order to begin a much larger healing process. But the majority of people, and I'm not saying like I'm done, I'm not saying like I'm, I'm finished, I'm enlightened, <laughs> you know, where it's an ongoing process. But a lot of people that I talk to, are depressed and say, what's the point? I can't stand this body. I don't know mm. how to talk to my spouse. I don't know how to defend my right to have healthy people supporting me in my circle because I'm more afraid of losing them yes. than, I, than I am of, than, than I'm even confident that I have anything within me of value to put out into the world. Yeah, all, all, I mean, so, so, so good, right? And it's not, we're not just seeing that in, in mental health or physical health issues. We're seeing that across the board in all of society. I mean, right now, right, we, we keep seeing um, all these men being ousted for um, like crossing sexual boundaries and stuff like that. And like how women are actually scared to come out and have these communications because of everything that you just kind of said right there, right? Like of the judgments and assessments that people are going to have. So, you know, I think it goes across the board for everybody. I mean, this has been something I've been saying in our training, like 10, 10 effect everybody on the planet right now is schizophrenic, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we, we're all schizophrenic. The ones that we put away are the ones that are brave enough to say the things that are going on in their heads out loud. Mm -hmm. And, and essentially it's like, we, we have these things that we make ourselves wrong for. And for everything that you make yourself wrong inside of the substructure of your body, you almost like create a character that has to deal with that. So it's like we're all walking around with these like, you know, infinite amount of like little characters inside of us. And it, there's not like a, a unified thing that's empowering us from within. So for me, you know, even in these situations, whether something that you're truly feeling physically is psychosomatic in nature. And in my experience, most of it is right. Like and, I, and again, I get if you're in an experience where you've had like a physical ailment your whole life, like I'm sure if we track it back far enough we will find an event where you created some kind of interpretation of the way that life is and the physical ailment will be so in alignment as like if we look down the path we'll be like oh yeah then that physical alignment is going to show up in the body to represent that that mental capacity you know I, uh you are so on the ball today i have to tell you i just had a conversation with my friend melissa drake at brilliant transformations she 
just had a, it was a premiere showing of the movie Heal. And we just talked about that same thing. The manifestation of pain, dysfunction, abandonment, poverty, neglect, abuse, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. At some point in your body, you you can't sustain that state, that toxic state, that that consistent dumping of those stress chemicals without your body finally going, oh, I'm broken. I'm broken. You know, I can't. Yeah. That's incredible. (laughs) And, and And if anybody hasn't read, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Elon might remember. The book is called Dying to Be Me. Mm-hmm. Um, bro, do you remember her name? I am looking it up right now. Okay, please do. So there's a story there of a woman who's like, you know, terminally ill essentially with cancer. She actually passes, like leaves the body and has a recollection of what happens on the other side. And so she describes that process. And then on that other side has all those breakthroughs, right? Like uh, separate from her body back into into soul state and sees how she caused the disease in her body, gets given the choice to go back into her body, and then immediately upon going back into her body, has the complete memory of what happened to her on the other side, and now knows that she can heal herself, and does. And she basically has, like, welts, like, of cancer, because there was so much poison from the chemo that the Mm -hmm. body could no longer um, get rid of it. So it was she literally had welts that were, like, exploding into, like, this nastiness, right? Mm -hmm. And all that went away within, like, a week. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy, though. It's crazy, though, that she would choose to go back because you already died. Yeah. You know, like, you want to go through that again? That's my biggest fear, I have to say. Like, uh, the pain and the agony of dying, that's my biggest fear. It's not like walking over into the other side. I'd much rather be surprised and hit by a (laughs) semi and then, like, have to, like, adapt and be like, what? I'm really dead? So I'm surprised that she came back. To tell people about it. Well, a, f- a few good books for you to read. Then uh, I would say "Dying to Be Me" is a great one, especially around fear of death. That I think by, we all by have. the way, it's by Anita Morjani. Exactly. I, I, I could remember her uh, her last name. I would say uh, "Journey of Souls." Like all these books that actually describe what that process is like, it's actually quite beautiful. And if you do happen to do some plant medicine work, like ayahuasca, many times you are faced with your death and actually kind of go through the death cycle experience, and you actually kind of realize. This is kind of beautiful, like, you know. So, like, I know, I know that it's like you, we're very attached to our physicalness, and at the same time, it's like you know, it, having a perspective that's beyond third dimensional is really helpful, and that's a really big conversation. So, I won't go there. I will just tell you from my my personal experience. Like, I've sat in meditation, in silent meditation, for ten days, and what and what became really clear for me during that time is one of the things that that we're not accustomed to. Again, this is a really kind of like a big bold conversation to be having on a podcast is that we have become extremely dependent on the frontal lobe of the brain right so it's all about understanding logic etc 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 and if you look at the way that animals operate like a cat why can't you sneak up on a cat it's because they're so in tuned with the sensations in their body that they feel subtle shifts in the air right so it's like if you're walking they can actually feel the energy and the moisture in the air that's moving towards their body and they shift and this is why in Indonesia years ago when that typhoon came, yeah, a whole bunch of people died. You know what didn't die? Not a single animal <laughs> because all yeah. the animals can feel the energy of that wave coming. And they're like, we're out of here, right? So we, we get to retrain ourselves to start adapting to use both systems at the same time. Now, what I saw from my personal experience is that when you start tapping in to the sensational part of you, we could call that the subconscious part of yourself. 
you're actually connecting the mind and the body. And every part of you that's in trauma right now is because you have some kind of judgment about it. And you're either craving to have more of something in your life or you're averting something in your life. And both of them are causing disease in your body. Okay, so I want to boil this down right now. I want to, we've tried to do uh, as much prescriptive content as we can. So you are on what I call a different color. I don't say people <laughs> are on different levels. Sure. They're on different colors. And some people are a different color than you. And so they're, they might be unable to kind of apply what we're talking about. Now, I am freaking beyond fascinated and <laughs> will continue ethically stalking you. However, I, <laughs> I want to do a little role playing right now. Okay. I want you to be the patient. Okay. One of you, it doesn't matter which one. I want you, one of you guys to be the patient. Just raise your hand and tell me who's going to be the patient. And I want to facilitate a conversation with a toxic person in your life. Let's say this person is passive aggressive. Um, they're not supportive. They don't believe you. I want us to have a conversation and try and move forward so that we can actually give people a model of beginning to talk and break the cycle. Super good. Bro, you go ahead. Okay. So you want one of us to be one of these people? Yes. Uh, here's here's my recommendation. Why don't you be the person because you know kind of what your audience is struggling with. Okay. And then either Guy or I can actually like coach you on a specific issue. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. How about, okay, great. So I'm the patient and um, I'm going to pick a tough one. I'm saying I'm talking to my husband. Now, again, this doesn't apply to my beautiful deacon. He's been amazing. I'm talking about, I'm just talking to my husband who's a jackass, doesn't get me, doesn't believe me, makes me feel guilty because I can't take out the trash, etc. Okay, we're talking about those things. So mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say, honey, um, you know, I, I just feel like we're not really on the same page about this. I know it's hard to have you understand what I'm going through, but the pain is real. Uh, my fatigue is real. I feel guilty that I, that I can't help out. And then when you get angry, um, you know, that I feel even more guilty. So, I mean, it just seems like you're mad at me. So how do we, how do we have a conversation about this? It, it just, I mean, do you, do you believe me that I'm, that I'm sick? Got it. Awesome. So here's the thing, and this is so powerful because that's how 99.9% .9 of people have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to have you flip and be your husband. And if you were the husband in that situation, how would you feel if your wife spoke to you that way? You're saying I don't believe you. So everything I've done for you. So that just erases everything that I've, that I've, that I've done. Is that right? That's what you're telling me? Right now. So, yeah. so immediately, even in the, in the way that you've positioned it and, and I get that you were doing, you know, like I can look that your intention was obviously in the right place and you're really looking for a solution and all that stuff. And the person on the other side of that is going to feel one thing and one thing only. And that is defensive and unappreciated because in that communication, they're being made wrong. 
there's something that they're doing or not doing to you or for you. And as soon as you say that to anybody, I don't care how enlightened of a human being one thinks they are. As soon as someone comes at you with that kind of information, your insides go, I need to defend myself. So you be the wife. (laughs) Great. Well, let me, I'm going to be the wife in a second. Let me just share the context of how to build successful relationships, any relationships. And then we'll have the conversation and you'll hear in my language how that's coming about. So the reason relationships don't work is because most people have relationships as 50-50. I'll do this, you do that. You don't do this, I don't do that. And it becomes very tit for tat. Other relationships, even if you're like, you find yourself, okay, you know what? I'm going to give and give. I'm one of these people pleasers, whatever. It's still at best, I would say 90% you, 10% them. Like I will do all of this stuff. Just give me something. Mm -hmm. And if they don't give you something, it all falls apart. And this is where every relationship falls apart. So the only way to have successful relationships is to be at all times 100% responsible for the relationship. Now, when we use the word responsible, the definition that we like to use is you are willing to be at the source of all of it. Notice we didn't say that you're to blame for something. You don't need to make yourself wrong. You don't need to beat yourself up or make yourself feel guilty. There's none of that. It's just, I source 100% of this relationship. I source everything that is in this relationship and not in this relationship. Are you with me so far? Um, I'm amazed so far. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the context, right? So now if a wife stood there and she was in pain and she wasn't receiving something from her husband, like she perceived, for example, that her husband didn't believe, this is what I got from your communication, that the wife didn't believe that her husband, the wife didn't think that the husband believes that she had serious pain, that she was just kind of like making it up to get out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that is that generally what, what the, the issue was? Yes. Okay, cool. Now here's the thing, and this is where it gets a little bit tricky, right? I'm gonna say this and I'll say it again just so, so people really get this. There is no way the world is. There is no the way the world is. There is only your perception at any given moment of what the world is. And that perception is based on your memories, your experiences, and that is it. Given that every perception is valid, right? Because I can't argue that you've had certain life experiences. You view this situation this way. Now, most people argue with that. Like, well, no, it's not that way. It's this way, right? And that's where people get into fights and all that stuff. If you just honor, like, that's a person's opinion. This is a person's perception. I can see that. That's it. That's all you got to get. So in that moment, what you can see is like, okay, so the wife has a perception, right? Mm -hmm. That her husband doesn't believe that she's in pain. Now, if one had a perception that their husband or significant other doesn't believe that they're in pain, could you see how that would create an entire world instantly? Yes. What would that wife have to do, right? 
overexert and over like have to, she's in a constant state of proving, proving, proving that she's in pain. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Which as a byproduct does what makes you in more and more and more pain because you got to be right about it. And human beings have an addiction to being right. And I think the husband is picking up on that because that's that energy that's being transferred from her, her overexertion and all of her emotions. And he's picking up on it, even if she doesn't say a word to him. Exactly right. Because energy is everything. How many times have you walked into a room and a couple fought and they open the door and they're like, hi. And you're like, ooh, what the <laughs> hell happened in here? You know, <laughs> they don't have to say anything. You just feel it. Right. So right. we human beings have an unbelievable, the sixth sense that we have is the ability to feel that energy. We don't know why sometimes, like you walk into a room, it just feels wrong. You don't want to be there. You leave. Sometimes you put on a piece, a piece of clothing and you take it off and you're like, I can't wear that today. And if someone asks you like, why? You're like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. That's that intuition. That's that gut. So back to the the husband and wife, right? So like we get that because of this perception. And here's the thing, like her husband may have said something. He could have said something so innocuous and that wife made that thing mean he doesn't believe me. Mm -hmm. And the second that happened, a whole world got created. And because she didn't communicate at that time in a simple manner, like, hey, hon, you just said this, I perceived it to mean that, is that what you meant? Like in that moment, imagine if she just said that in the moment, her husband would be like, babe, no, not at all. This is what I meant to say. And she'd be like, oh, okay. And all of that would have been gone, but that's not how we operate. So let's deal with like, with the perception being there. So the first thing she gets to get or anybody gets to get is I'm 100% responsible for the perception I have of the world. And that perception of the world creates my feeling, creates how people respond to me, creates my emotional state, my thoughts, all of it. I can own that and I can be responsible for it. So the conversation would go differently and it would go something like this, honey. So I was sitting here and I realized that I have this perception And it happened because of this, this, and this. And I think I made it mean this. And because of it, I have this perception that you don't believe that I'm in pain. And I know, I know that's not what you mean. And I know that's probably crazy. And it's been creating all of this emotion inside of me. Now, what do you think your husband's going to say to that? He's going to feel terrible for her that she's, she was in pain and, and feeling like she couldn't reach out and that she was just suffering. Exactly. Now, what does, what does anybody want, right? They want someone's listening. They want someone to accept them. They want someone to love them, to support them, right? Now, she's put this riff in the way. She becomes responsible for it. He is like a mush at this point. Like, oh, baby, no, because he gets to get all soft and, you know, be chivalrous and all that stuff. And then she's like, wow, so here's the thing. I'm giving that up. Here's the perception I want to create, right? I want to create that you're an amazing, supportive, generous, listening, whatever, you know, whatever she does, husband. Mm -hmm. So here's what I'm going to do about it. And you just create like one little action step that you can do together. The second she says that to him, A, it's going to open an unbelievable conversation, right? Because the other person on the other end is not defensive. They're like, oh my God, you want to know the best way to start a conversation? Let me tell you how I've been an asshole. 
That's it. Like people are like, oh, please do, do, do share with me. Right. It just opens up this different type of listening and different kind of conversation that allows for now this couple gets to co-create what their relationship gets to look like. And maybe that opens up to a conversation like, well, honey, how do you feel supported? Like, what is it that I do that has you feel supported or loved or accepted? And on the vice versa, and, and this, these are the best questions you can ask anybody that you're in a relationship with. How do I make you feel supported? How do I make you feel loved? How do I make you feel accepted? Conversely, how do I not, when, when do I not make you feel supported, not loved and not accepted? You want to know keys to the castle of how to have an amazing relationship? Answer those questions to each other. And then they now get to build this whole thing. No one gets to made feel wrong. The intention is like, hey, we want to manufacture and create a kick-ass relationships. And we know that we're human. And we know that things are going to happen. And we get to discuss them openly. And so the next time her husband does something, she is acutely aware of the fact like, oh, wait. He told me that he loves me, believes me, etc. So now do I really get to choose that he doesn't believe that I'm in pain? And if I have that thought, can I be open and say, hey, you know what, John? I, you just said this thing. My brain went into this perception mode where, again, I kind of felt like you didn't believe. Is that, is that what you meant? No, honey. I meant this, this, and this. Okay, great. Just wanted to know. Done. These are really important habits to have in a relationship. And I think it's really vital as you go into conversations like that to be in a place of safety with each other. So you're going to hear some truths about yourself mm -hmm. that are difficult to hear. And you are instantly want, you will want to defend yourself. I'm not like that. I'm not, how can you say this? It's really important. My husband and I have had similar conversations where we have talked from the I perspective of I feel you, like you said, you can't argue with how someone's feeling or their experience or whatever. And when you ask those questions of what is it that I'm doing to not support you, you are going to hear the truth. And it's not to tear away at your soul. It's the necessary maintenance that takes place in a relationship. So um, absolutely killer content. I mean, I want to, I, I want to just add something in there. Sorry for cutting you off. Cause I think oh, it's really sure. important because people are going to listen to this and be like, Oh, I'm going to go have a conversation with my husband. And then it's like, <laughs> you know, all, now all they're hearing is like negative <laughs> feedback. So look, um, for me, we live in this world that really believes in positive thinking and, and positive thinking to me is like taking like a, a shit pie and putting a whole bunch of whipped cream on it. Like, I don't, I don't care how much whipped cream you put on this shit pie. Guess what? It's going to taste like shit. So go, going into these conversations, um, what we're talking about here is, you know, where Elon was like half joking, but there's a lot of truth in it, like starting a conversation by saying, hey, you know, why I've been an asshole because mm -hmm. um, part of it is going in without like, hey, here's what we need to change or here's what you need to change before I change it. It begins with the deliberation of, hey, look, I've noticed that I've had this perception. It has this impact on me that I really don't like. It has this impact on you that obviously is not working for you either. I'm owning the fact that this is how I've been operating and I'm going to let that go. And let me tell you what I'm actually committed to. And once you say that new commitment, then that person has a choice. Like they're either going to be aligned with that commitment or be like, Hey, look, I'm really happy you come to that place. No, 
I don't want to play that game with you. And you have to kind of be ready for both. And, and like 99.9% of the times, if you're going to share like a new commitment with somebody after you've owned up to, you know, like taking responsibility for something, they're going to play along because they're going to be like, that's great. That sounds way better than how it's been. That, yeah. That's actually dealing with the shit pie, right? Because most people are like sweeping stuff under the carpet. Mm-hmm. And then they want to like pretend like, well, let's just build a new structure on top of that. But it's like you can't build a new foundation on top of one that's crumbling. And we and we do see this across all of society where we have structures like, you know, politics is a perfect place to see this where we're creating new laws all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like those laws are being created to support laws that are no longer working. So now instead of like letting those laws just kind of fall away and be like, hey, guess what? Those laws didn't work. We tried it. It's like we start creating other ones. So almost like create other support structures to support structures that are no longer working. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It's like uh, we're, again, not dealing with the shit pie. And then, you know, just on the heels of it can feel uh, very threatening to enter into a conversation like that. So last week I had been just a Krabby Patty to my poor husband. (laughs) I I had just cranky and whatever. And, you know, we are real people with real emotions. We might sit there and we might say empowerment and positivity and motivation. And here we go. But we have real emotions every single day. We're dealing and and not dealing with. We are living with another human being. And we have decided I'm going to take responsibility and I'm going to care about this other human being. I'm going to be vested in this relationship. So an easy way to diffuse a situation before you walk into it, if you're not feeling, um, you know, so secure. And I'm not talking about from a physical Uh, place of safety or an emotional place of safety. I'm not talking about engaging with an abuser. That is not what we're going for here at all today. But if you have a pretty strong relationship for the most part, and maybe you've kind of, you know, fallen out of the practice of actively loving each other, one thing that might work is to go first. I went first last week and I approached him, put my arms around him and said, I haven't been loving you right because I knew I hadn't been. I knew he felt it. I knew we were, we were just, yeah, we were just kind of, you know, flipping along and nobody was real happy. And, and my snarkiness was begetting snarkiness, right? Isn't that what they say in the Bible? Snarkiness begets snarkiness. So, um, that is something that you can do is go first and say, this is what I've noticed I've been doing, I take responsibility for it. And now I I hope that helps to take down some of those defensives and and have a more open conversation. So you guys like blowing my mind. I don't think there's anything left upstairs right now. I think it's just (laughs) like like a wasteland with one tumbleweed kind of blowing around. Um, we could keep going for hours. This is fantastic for the people who are listening and who are struggling. Take a moment, re-listen if you need to understand that you can make these changes in your life. Sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need modeling. Sometimes we need role playing. Sometimes we need examples, but always we can make a change. So gentlemen, Let's talk about how people can get in touch with you and exciting news that you have for our sick biz community. Awesome. 
So, um, yeah, we wanted to do something really, really special. So there's two things that we're going to offer you guys here today. The first is we have an app. Um, think of it like a coach in your pocket app. You can get it either on your iPhone or if you have an Android device, you just go into your iTunes store or your Google Play store, type in Satori Prime. It's called Satori Prime. Have it all. Um, and you can gain access to that for free right now. Uh, the other thing that we're doing specifically for the SickBiz community is Guy and I, if you enjoyed this conversation, you want to know how to have these powerful conversations, uh, whether it's with somebody else or with yourself, right? A lot of people, when they're starting business, you're going to come up against money conversations. You're going to come against, uh, against overwhelm conversations, fear conversations, things like that. And so we put together a uh, course. It's actually a 10-part course um, that we're going to give you access to. We're selling it right now for $297. And I had a conversation with Hillary, and I love this movement, and I love what she's doing. And we're going to actually offer the Mindfluence course for you guys for free. So if you head over to satoriprime.com slash sickbiz, um, on that page, we'll give you all of the instructions and all you have to do is enter the coupon code sickbiz, one word, no capital, just everything lowercase, and you will actually be able to grab Mindfluence for free, uh, specifically through that link and through that coupon code. So it's just our way of giving back and, and hope that makes a huge, huge difference for you in every area that matters the most to you. That's incredible. Um, I am so honored to have both of you on today and uh, for helping our community and and really digging in deep into our thought processes, uh, how we position ourselves in our own minds, our self-limiting beliefs, and everything that stands in the way of running a successful entrepreneurship as a sick or disabled entrepreneur. So, uh, from the bottoms of our hearts, we thank you both so, so much for doing this for our community. Blown away. Were you blown away too? Did you learn new methodologies for talking to the people in your life and improving your relationships? I can't stress enough how important it is. So this is an episode that you can revisit time and time again to have a better understanding of what you need to do to take care of your relationships and in turn to feed your entrepreneurship. And don't forget to sign up for the sick ass exclusive offer from Elon and Guy Ferdman made exclusively just for you, the sick biz community to help you in your business with the deepest coaching insights you have ever seen. We have more information at sickbiz.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Sick Biz Buzz podcast, wherever podcasts are available. And check out our Sick Biz site, sickbiz.com, which is just teeming with guest posts from peeps just like you, people overcoming their physical and mental blocks on the daily. And if you would like to talk to someone about getting help for your business, or you're just looking for a little bit more support from a community who understands you, please drop us a line at sickbizco at gmail.com. That's it for today's episode. I'm Hilary Jastrom. Thanks for listening. Be well.